Luke chapter 5, verse 1, if you have it, say, mm-hmm. All right, we're getting some soul up in here. I like that. Mm-hmm. Verse 1, it says, One day as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. I love that. Jesus went swimming and preaching at the same time. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by fishermen. Somebody say fishermen. It says they were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little, put it out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out deep into the deep water and let down the nets. Somebody say, let down your nets. Tell your neighbor, let down your nets. Then it says, let it down for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. In other words, don't you know I'm an expert in this? I know what I'm doing. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets had began to break. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of the fish that they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. Fear not. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Pray with me one more time. Father, have your way. Jesus, we need to go fishing. We need to go fishing. We need to go fishing. We thank you in your precious son's name. We all said, before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them, go fish. Then you may be seated. Think about this, if you can, for a brief moment. Human life on earth would become very difficult if we failed to plant seeds. In fact, we would probably slowly disappear if we didn't plant seeds here on this earth. The kingdom of God is the same way. It would diminish also if we failed to plant seeds. You know what I've learned is that harvest and Pentecost are together. You cannot have Pentecost without the harvest. You have to have it together. See, Pentecost and the harvest, it was the time of completion of the barley harvest. That was what Pentecost was. Sometimes in the Bible, it was called a feast of harvest. Somebody say feast of harvest. This was a time of real joy, a celebration of blessings and increase. It was a time for the community of God's people to come to the temple and bring offerings as thanksgiving for God's harvest. Pentecost is all about the harvest. Somebody say amen. Even on the day of Pentecost in the early church, the emphasis on the pouring out of the Holy Spirit was to give, was to give us power so that we might be witnesses. That was the whole purpose of the Pentecost, is so that we might receive power to be a witness. And this is very important because a lot of times we think it's reversed. We come to receive power to receive blessings. And actually, it's the opposite. We receive power 
to be a witness. Somebody say, be a witness. It was to reap a harvest of souls. See, I've learned this. The church is not a Pentecostal church if it neglects evangelism. The church is not a Pentecostal church if we neglect winning souls. Now, I don't know if you know this, but here at Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay, we are a Pentecostal church. We believe in speaking in tongues. I say that because some of you, before you came to this church, you used to speak in tongues and you had no idea what you were saying. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, just look at your drunk uncle or your drunk aunt. They're drinking. What did you say? Drunkards fit perfectly in this church. Matter of fact, we want drunkards to come to this church so they can get delivered and filled with the power of God so they can be a witness to the world. A soul-winning church. That's what a Pentecostal, Bible-believing, God-fearing church is all about. Leading others to Christ. Both we and our children, and our children's children, should come to the understanding that sharing Christ is the mission of the church. This should be a priority within our lives and in the life of the church. Let me ask you a question. How much of your daily life is consumed on the plans of winning souls? I want to ask you that question. How much of your daily life are you planning out, how can I win a soul? How can I win a soul? See, that is the purpose of the church. That is the mission of the church. The purpose of the church, of course, is to worship God. That is our purpose. That is our sole purpose. But the mission is to save souls. It's to win souls. Somebody say win souls. Most Christians today have never led anyone to Christ. And I say that because there's a recent study that has shown in the United States of America, 95% of those that attend church have never led anyone to Christ. Of the body, of the church body. When I read that study, I said, that better be false. And if it's not false, it better be false of Victory Outreach Heart of the Bay. Because I believe that our church needs to be a soul-winning church. Can I hear an amen? Can I hear an amen? See, the day of Pentecost was enabling us to be a witness, not just to give a powerful personal experience. That's what Christ was trying to share to these future disciples right here, right now. Now, I need three volunteers, three men. Let me get three men. Three men volunteers. Just raise your hand out of nowhere. I just need three men volunteers. One, two, I need a third. Three. Come on up here, you three. Come on, Peter, James, and John. Come on up here right now. All right, they're going to help me out. And you're going to see what I'm talking about right here, right now. Uh, we're going to go into my Target bag, right, right here. Target, for those of you. And this is what you're going to do. This is what I need you guys to do. I need you to go ahead. And you guys are going to untangle this net. Go ahead and start working on that. All right, untangle that net. Work on that. Okay, so while they're untangling that net, go ahead and go over here in the light so everyone can see you here. Over here, come on over here, spread out, spread out, work on it right there. Okay, so we got their net. This is a net. This is our fishing net right here. I kind of like this. Now, this is a smaller version of what it is, but what was happening here was we see this story. We see this story of these men that were fishing. Somebody say fishing. Now, what was happening is when Jesus came to where they were at, they were not fishing. They were cleaning. Somebody say cleaning. Somebody say cleaning. See, while Jesus was on the shoreline preaching, Peter, James, and John, along with others, were cleaning up 
from the night of fishing. Now, they had already knew of Jesus, but they were not yet full-time disciples. I like this net here. We got this right here. Now, this is what I've learned. If, if you weren't here last week, listen to the message. One of my last point that I make is that fishing is not a solo sport. It is a team sport. You got to learn that. Okay, that's not the point I'm bringing out right now, but you gotta, if, if you didn't listen to last week's message, go on our podcast, listen to it, tap the app, all right? Get the app, tap it right there, get on there, listen to the messages. We've got a lot of messages. But I talked about how fishing, a lot of times people think when it comes to fishing, oh, it's just solo, I just got to sit here and do it. Actually, no, it's a team thing. Matter of fact, probably even need some more people. But you can see here the net, right? So this is a small net. This is what Peter, James, and John were doing. Okay, I want you guys to just go ahead and cast the net over this speaker right now. Just put it over the speaker right there. Just put it right there. Awesome. Man, you guys work so hard doing that right now. That was great. Awesome. Give them a hand right now. Give them a hand. That's all I need. You guys can make your, make your way back down. Give them a hand. Come on. Peter, James, and John. These men were casually doing what they did Every day. They did this every day. Now, what was important is that they knew of Jesus, but they weren't the disciples yet. They had, at this point, been a casual relationship with Christ. Somebody say casual. They had heard him preach, but their passion and full-time job was still fishing. They were still fishermen. And this was very, very important to the growth of their relationship with who they were about to follow. In fact, here, they were not really listening to Christ. They were cleaning up their nets. Who He had spoke to the crowd and taught the word of God. These men were present physically, but their hearts and minds were not in the service. They were distracted by their work and their responsibilities. It's the same as many people today in church. You are physically here, but your hearts and minds are somewhere else. Focus on, man, how much money am I going to make this week? Man, I got to know how much net. Isn't that funny how net income is called net and gross, right? For those of you in the you know, financial terms, net and gross. You know where they get the term from? It's fishing. It's a fishing term. Net is a fishing term. Gross is a fishing term. These are all fishing terms. So what was happening is that these three men were doing what they did all the time. The problem was Christ was along the banks of the shore, and they were like, okay, well, I'm in the presence. I'm just not listening. I, I got to clean my net. I, you know, I got I to, man, what am I going to do tomorrow? Man, what, what am I really going to do for 4th of July weekend? I really don't, I don't really want to come over here. What else am I going to do? I got to go, I want to go get drunk. I don't, well, don't want to get drunk, but I just want to go drink a little bit. I Worried about other stuff. How much money am I going to make? What am I going to wear tomorrow? What am I going to eat tomorrow? And you know what the Bible says? Don't worry about what you're going to eat, and don't worry about what you're going to wear. Matter of fact, if you're more focused on that, you actually, according to the Scriptures, you can cause anxiety to yourself. Well, if I don't get these shoes, I'm going to die. You're not going to die. If I don't get that car, you know, my whole world's going to fall apart. And for those of you singles, if I don't get that man, I'm never going to get married. Oh, my gosh. Don't worry. Look at The net is going to be there. You'll be just fine. Don't miss the person preaching along the shores. Far too often we get caught up in 
well, what am I going to catch? What am I going to wear? What am I going to do? They were missing what Christ was trying to bring them. See, these men had certainly heard Jesus' teaching before, but after all, there were other important things to take care of. Spiritual things took a back seat to their occupation and even to their earthly concerns at this point. While Jesus was trying to win the masses, they were concerned with cleaning their nets and being ready for the night's catch. It had been a rough night fishing. Nothing had been caught, and their concerns were focused on their livelihood and not on the ministry. Finally, Jesus, he asked Peter to take a moment out from fishing and let him sit on the boat just a little ways off the shore just so he can preach a little bit better. Now, what is very important is Peter is willing to cooperate. Somebody say cooperate. But I wonder how frustrated he was because Jesus took him away from his element. Now, if we're honest, all of us at one time get frustrated from the call of God. The call of God will frustrate you from your everyday life. It's going to frustrate you. Because, man, I got to do this. I got to, well, what about this? I got to pursue this. What about this? You know, I want to go to school here. I got, how much money am I going to make here? And all of a sudden, here comes the call of God. Well, I don't know. That's the call of God. I don't really know about all that. So I can assume, and if you know anything about the life of Peter, Peter was a very vocal, frustrated kind of guy. Peter was very vocal in his frustrations. Peter was the kind of guy that would pray with a knife, and if anybody tried to get at Jesus, he would cut their ear off. Peter was the kind of guy that if he saw a ghost in the water, he would walk out in the middle of it and be like, hey, I'm just going to start walking on water. I don't even care. Y'all could just sit in the boat. I'm going to go out. Peter was very vocal in his frustrations within his life. I'm assuming, just my assumption, that Peter was probably frustrated when he saw this guy that he had heard of go over to his boat and step in the boat. I'm assuming that Peter was cleaning his nets going, who in the world does that guy think he is getting all up in my boat like that? Shoot. Oh, he probably said it in Hebrew, so it was real, very harsh. I don't know how he said it. But he was very vocal in his frustrations. What I have learned is that the call of God will frustrate your everyday life. It will frustrate you. I don't do that. I don't want to go witness right now. What about my problems? What about my net? What about my gross? What about my income? What about my life? What about me? What about me, 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 me? And here comes the call of God. Don't worry. I'm going to take care of you if you will take care of my kingdom. There was a, a battle going on right here with Peter. Perhaps Peter figured there would always be opportunities to talk to people about spiritual things. But he had to catch something that night to make up for the loss from the night before. How many times do we convince ourselves that we will get serious about witnessing as soon as things slow down or after we get caught up with everything? We tell ourselves that we need to not push our faith with others and give them time to ease into it. They know that I'm a Christian. I don't have to tell them all the time. I don't have to share this with them. I read this story, and this really got me. It's a true story. It's a story of a man that many of you might not know. If you're not familiar with his name, get very familiar with him. His name is D.L. Moody. And how he learned a valuable lesson by his own admission. One day, he took a low-profile approach to winning people to Christ. On October 8th, 1871, he made an important discovery that he would never repeat again. And it propelled him into the great soul winner that he became that we know of today. He had been preaching in the city of Chicago. One night, 
He had the largest audience he had ever had. His message was this. What will you do then with Jesus who is called the Christ? That was his message to the people. By the end of the service, he was tired. He concluded his message with a presentation of the gospel and this concluding statement. He said, now I give you a week to think that over. And when we come together again, you will have an opportunity to respond. Tired but glad to rest, the service concluded. A soloist began to sing. But before the final note, the music was drowned out by wailing sirens and clanging bells through the streets. The great Chicago fire had just started. In the pale aftermath, hundreds were dead and over 100,000 people in 1871 were homeless. Without a doubt, there were some, there was many people who had heard Moody's message that perished in the fire. He reflected remorsefully that he had given this, that he would give given his right arm before he would ever give an audience another week to think over the message of the gospel. Evangelism would now be a priority and a passion within his life. Each moment an opportunity to win the lost, he became one of the greatest soul winners of the last century. I'll give you guys a week, and when we come back, you got to give me a response. Right then and there, the Chicago fire happened. True story. You can read it in your history books, the great fire of the city of Chicago. People died in that. He missed the opportunity. How many of us have people that we know of that we've been telling, hey, okay, I'm going to see you next week. I'm going to see you next week, and I'm going to see you next week. But next week never comes. We could be missing the opportunity to share the gospel that has been compelling you. Listen, my friend, Jesus is on the banks of the shore, and he's sharing with Victory Outreach, and he's saying, look, there's a lot of people that need to hear the gospel. There's a lot of people that need to hear the good news, but oh, no, I got some other things I got to take care of. Listen, my friend, we need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is time for Victory Outreach Heart. We got to go fishing once again. But look at we can't go fishing on our own. We need each other. Tell your neighbor, we need you. Now tell somebody else, tell them, I need you. We're in this together. Can I hear an amen? Listen, my friend, the church cannot afford to be casual. We can't afford to be casual. Instead of being afraid of what people will think if we bring up the subject, maybe we should be afraid of what will happen to people if we don't bring up the subject. What are they going to think of me, you know, if they know that I'm a Christian? and Well, they know I'm a Christian. I don't have to profess my faith. I don't have to say anything. How will they know the good news unless somebody says something? It's not exactly good news if nobody says anything, right? Right? If, put it this way. If the A's won the World Series this year, I guarantee, how many A's fans we have here? I guarantee you, all of you, somehow, somehow, somewhat, you'd be wearing an A's t-shirt, an A's hat. The Warriors won. We had a Warriors night in our church. Why? Because we want to let everybody know. How much more important that we should be letting people know of the gospel of Jesus Christ? We don't need a Warriors t-shirt, a Giants, an A's. We have the good news right now, and we got to go fishing. Tell your neighbor, go fishing. Tell your neighbor, go fishing. I like what Curry Blake said. He said this, if your gospel isn't touching others, it hasn't touched you. 
If your gospel is not being shared with others, then my friend, you don't have that gospel. Oswald Smith said, no one has the right to hear the gospel twice while there remains someone who has not heard it once. You and I must share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus was about to change his casual relationship with these men in the process of changing their passion from fishing for fish to fishing for men. For fishing for men. And in Luke chapter 5, we see this portion of scripture in verses 4 and 5. We see this crazy request. Jesus gets crazy. Now, this is what I love. This is why I think I I relate so much to Jesus because he's very radical. Not radical as in, you know, yelling and screaming, but radical in his thinking. Like, that's just, who in the world would do, who in the world would leave their service and walk around the block? That's crazy. That's nonsense. Who in the world does that stuff? Who in the world marches down A Street to City Hall? And who does that? Crazy, radical, Pentecostal, Bible-believing, on-fire Christians do that. Here, Jesus was starting his radical ministry with radical men. He wanted to shake them up. And how did he do it? He told them to look at their nets. He told them to look at their nets. After preaching the word, Jesus asked Peter to do something very radical. He asked Peter to take the boat out into the deep to fish again. Now, this is very important because Peter... And these men were expert fishermen. In other words, they knew what they were doing. I I got that. I've been doing this all my life. I know what I'm doing. So here comes Jesus. Now, why is that important? Because Jesus walks up on the banks of the shore. And if you've been here before, we've uh, we've heard it from even Shane Willard. We've shared about it, how Jesus came in. He looked like a rabbi because he was a rabbi, right? So what does a rabbi look like? He's got the shawl. He's got everything. He's got the, you know, he's got the rabbi look. Right? He just looks like a ray. He looks like a teacher. So all of a sudden, here comes the teacher on the banks of the shore. Doesn't look like a fisherman. And he's telling the fisherman, hey, uh, yeah, I know you've been doing this all night, but uh, you need to go back out there and fish on the other side. That would be like me, and I love art. Art is awesome. Art is great. He's one of our best construction. I mean, he, this guy can build. He could do all, He could probably rebuild this whole Sanctuary all over again. Who knows? I mean, he's, I mean, they're great. Him and Greg, they're right up there. Hey, Greg, how you doing? Good to see you. All right, love you. Hope you got the flowers. Did you get the flowers, Elena? Awesome. Gloria a Dios. Hallelujah. That's all my Spanish right there. Oh, flowers, oh, I don't know. So these guys can build. That would be like me going up to Art's construction site, and I see he's building, but I go, hey, Art, Art, Art. Yeah, uh, I see you got everything down here. But what you really need to do is you need to go dig a six-foot hole over there. And when you dig it, you got to check that pipe. I have no idea about no pipes or nothing. I'm just making this up. He would look at me and go, uh, I love you, Pastor. You're a great guy. But uh, be quiet. All right, that's what he would say in his heart. He would have to figure out how to say it from his mouth. Right? Out of respect. Out of respect. So here's Peter seeing a rabbi. You got to be respectful to them. You must be respectful to him. However, he's not a fisherman. A rabbi ain't a fisherman. Matter of fact, he was known as the son of a carpenter. So matter of fact, uh, you know, fishing's not your thing. Why don't you go build a house or something? Maybe you can go do that. Maybe that's your thing. Because fishing, mm, love you, (laughs) but no. 
Not going to happen. Not here. This is my arena. I know what I'm doing. And then here comes Jesus. He says, look, I want you to go out, take the net, and go on the other side. That was a crazy, radical thinking. Somebody say radical. Peter's response indicates that he was indeed thinking just this. There is kind of a little bit of a note of rebuke in Peter's response to Jesus. The kind of rebuke that says, look, I'm an expert. I know what I'm talking about. You, that's a little crazy. Peter is saying when experts who were fishing at the right time have caught nothing, it would be strange to go back out at the word of the son of a carpenter and at the wrong time. Peter's passion had been fishing, and he had known it, knew it better than most. Though only having a casual relationship with Jesus up to this point, there is an empty spot in Peter's heart that provoked his curiosity over Jesus' request. Peter must have had a small hunger for what this rabbi was trying to share. Jesus' request, though it was strange, captures his curiosity as perhaps a need to know in this Jesus. This could possibly fill an empty spot within his life. To Peter's tribute, he decides to obey Jesus, though it didn't make sense to an expert fisherman. Listen, my friend, our casual relationship with Christ would change dramatically if we really obeyed Christ, even if it contradicted logic or even our expertise of what people tell us. What takes our relationship to the next level is the obedience to the word of God. It may not seem logical. It may not seem something that you fully understand. But my friend, when the call of God and the word of God comes out, it's not about logic. It is about fulfilling the great commission that God has called you to do. I know sometimes you may come to church and you may be coming here saying, well, God, I need you to give me, give me, give me. And guess what he does? He gives you, gives you, gives you so that you can be sent down and give it all right back. See, a lot of times we come to church and say, man, I need the blessings. And God says, here, here's the blessing. Now go bless somebody. It is more blessed to than to receive. It doesn't mean that it's not a blessing to receive. It's just you get more of a blessing when you. Isn't that awesome? That you can get blessed both ways. Hey, I got blessed when I received, and I get more blessed when I give. This is exactly what Christ was trying to get within his thinking. It wasn't logical, but it was changing his passion. Obedience to Christ's word will always change our lives, and it will also change our passions. Peter and the others are about to face a life-changing experience simply because they obey Christ's call instead of their own expertise. See, it's crazy to think that we should tell everyone about Christ and about salvation. Doesn't logic dictate that people will think that we are fanatics if we talk about having a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? Even many Christians today think that Jesus can't really expect us to talk about salvation with everyone. But after all, there are other things in life besides church, aren't there? Yes, of course there does. But nothing is more important than Christ being in someone's life. See, the story that we see here, and I'm concluding the message right here. And you're probably saying, well, why are you concluding it? I'm going to show you right now. Because what's very important is that this is going fishing for fish. But this is going fishing for men. And this is very important. Now, I say that because I know a lot of us come here, 
and we're looking for the healing and we're looking for God, restoration, reconcile my family. I believe that God's going to give you everything that you need for your family and then some. But you know how I've learned how I get it? Is when I begin to give others benefits, God's benefits and God's love for the family. Look, I know your marriage is going through it. Trust me, I know your finances. It feels like it's rock bottom. Rock bottom. I know some of you, you look at your bank account and you go, man, what bank account is this? You know, some of you right now, you don't even like to look at your bank account because you're like, that's too much negativity right now in my life. I don't need this. I'm avoiding that right now. This is not good, not good for the week. But I want you to understand something. When it comes to winning the lost, that's one thing you must understand. Right away, you've already won. You've already won. It's your job to just go fishing. Now, Somebody say, go fish. Somebody say, go fish. I was playing this game the other day with my kids, and we were doing this, right? And we had this go fish, and I was like, man, this is so cool. How many of you, you've played go fish before? Raise your hand. You play go fish. Right? Just about everybody's played go fish, right? So I have, a, I have a deck of cards right here, right? For my next magic trick, this is what I'm going to do. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know how to do magic, all right? But I have this deck of cards, and this is what I'm going to do. I need some ushers. Come help me right now. Come on. Give me, give me a couple ushers right here. All right. Every sing- I want you to pass out a card to every single person around here, okay? Go ahead. Take that. Pass it around. Pass it around. Get everybody a card, all right? Got it around here. Pass it. Go half and half. Get it split it up. Make sure everybody gets a card. I want everybody to get a card. Everybody get a card here. Just grab one card. Just grab one card. Don't look at it. Don't look at it. Come on, this go fish. Don't look at it. You're not supposed to look at it yet. Don't, don't, look, don't make me look at it. What are you doing, brother? Come on. And the red, red down. Just pass one down. Pass one down. Don't look at it. Don't look. Pass it down. If you got extra, pass behind you. Everybody's going to get a card, even up on the top, even up on the top. Go up there. Maybe Jason, go up there on the top, even the ones over there. Even the ones on Facebook and Instagram and Snapchat, Snappy Chato. You give it to them over there. Everybody get one. Give us Shaquille O'Neal. That was funny. This video is hilarious. All right, give it to him. I know. Kids, this is a deck of cards. I know you've never seen this before. You always play with it on your phones, but it's real. All right. Okay. Everybody get a card. Well, I want everybody to get a card. Don't look at your card. Just put it down. Hold it right there. Put it next to you. Okay. Everybody get a card. I want to make sure everybody got a card. Everybody got a card. You got, oh, need another card over here? We need some more cards over here. Got another cards over here. A couple more cards over here. Make sure everybody gets cards. You got some cards over here, over here, over there. On stage, we got a couple more on stage. We got a couple more. Any more? That's it. We're all out. Okay, you got some more cards? Oh, over there. Give them some cards over there. All right. I already shuffled them all, so we got to make sure. There you go. Take two. Give them all right there. All right, okay. Now, this is what I've learned about this game is that go fish takes forever. It takes forever. I got myself a card. It's just one card. But when you play the game, do you got, everybody got a card? Oh, come on. Come on. Hey, quit Snapchatting over there, bro. What are you doing? You're in the home. Okay, everybody got a card? Now, this is, if you've never played go fish, I'm going to explain it to you right now. Usually get about seven cards, right? You get seven cards. And you try to match the cards in your hand with what someone else has. That's the purpose of the game. That's pretty much it. Match what you got 
with what someone else has. If someone else doesn't have the card that you're asking for, they must tell you, go fish. There's a deck of cards right there, and you got to pick from that deck. But I'm going to find. Now, this is the thing. You can be playing with five people, but you can't ask all five. You can only ask one. You can only ask one person. So right now, I have a card. And the way this game works is like this. I got to look out, and I got to ask somebody who has my that's my whole purpose my whole purpose right here right now I gotta find this person I gotta look around who's got my card so and I gotta match I gotta match somebody with this card. I don't know who has it but I'm gonna call somebody right now and I'm gonna believe that they have my card that's gonna be the greatest trick you've ever seen in your life especially with four decks out there that's pretty good right if I call this I'm better than David Blaine this is what I want to do Derek, do you have a king? Darn it. Thought I had it. All right. I really thought it was there. Okay. So then how the game goes is he doesn't have it. However, somebody who has a king just brightened up right now, right? And so when it gets your turn, who are you going to ask for a king? Why? Because you know I have it. But the thing is you got to wait your turn. In the midst of all these hundreds of people, it's going to take some time. So this is what I've learned. Fishing takes time. It takes time. Well, when am I going to get to? Okay, don't worry about it. You're going to get your turn. You're going to get your turn. The whole purpose is to go around and to find who matches you. Listen, there are people out there that match you. They match exactly who you are. Now, I shared this last week. Not everybody is going to come to Victory Outreach and go, yay, I love this. Some people are actually going to come in here and go, oh, my gosh, that music is way too loud. Oh, my gosh. Some people are just going to come in here and go, oh, man, it's too hot. I don't like it in here. I want it where it's nice and cool. Some people just come in here and say, you know what, there's just way too many Mexicans up in this place. I need to hold my purse. That's cold, huh? You know what's funny? That's how some people think. Oh, man. Well, he's black. She's white. They're this. They're that. And so people by color will look and go, oh, man, I'm not going to go there. They're not, we're not the same color. Hey, that's perfectly fine. If that's how you feel, that's how you feel. However, what I have learned is that it takes time to match. It takes a good amount of time to match. Now, this is what I've learned. There's a lot of kings out there. There's a whole lot of kings out there. It just takes me a little bit of time to sift through all the jokers. Just takes some time. It takes some time. Now, this is what I've learned also as well, is that there's a lot of people you focus too much on the jokers, and you miss the king and the queens. You miss it. Well, no, no, no. I got to get. Oh, my gosh. You, some of you, that's why you need to stop. Get away from those nets. Trust me. God knows what he's doing. No, but I got to go. Just trust me. The nets will take care of himself. God knows what he's doing. Trust God. Matter of fact, you know what Jesus told him? He said, do not be afraid. Don't be afraid. Listen to me. 
as Victory Outreach Heart, and I close with this. It can come to the piano. As Victory Outreach Heart, we don't need to be afraid to go out there and be a witness for Christ. God has given you the anointing. God has given you the power. God has given you everything that you need to win the lost. But far too often, well, I don't have much. I don't. See, some of you right now are looking at your car and go, all I got is a two. I don't want a two. Two is stupid. Two is dumb. That's the lowest of the lowest, the stupidest, dumbest, dumb. I don't want a two. Right? Let's be honest. The moment some of you guys got a two, your whole body language was like. <laughs> I want an ace. I want a king. Some of you fellas out there, I want a queen. You want a queen, quit acting like a joker. Yeah, that wasn't in my notes on that one. That was not in my notes. Listen to me. I, I fully understand as Victory Outreach Heart. That we could come, we can have a great time, we can have great service and the lights and this and that. And, you know, I, I've even been praying, God, you know, what, what do you want us to do as far as the buildings and this and that? Where do you want us to go? You know, what, what is it that you would have for us? But in the midst of it all, you know, what I've learned is that I'm over here trying to fix the net. And I'm over here trying to like, oh, man. And God's like, okay, but you need to go out there. Yeah, 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 God, God okay, God, God, I, got, I, got the, God, I, I got this though. But we got to work on it. So busy focusing in on the net. So busy focusing in on this that you forget what it is of the smell of fresh fish. Some of you, you smell like old fish in the spirit. That's why sometimes people don't want to be around you. Because you smell like the stories of old. I remember way back when. That's good. That's great. I'm, I'm glad the 80s happened. Just don't stay there. We needed the 80s to get to the 90s. Thank God for the 90s. 90s were awesome. The 2000s, early 2000s, hey, great, praise the Lord. But we're in 2017. Oh, but I, look, I understand. I thank God for the 60s, the 70s. They were, I mean, every Thursday we've been throwing it back. I love it. I appreciate the cross and the switchblade, the Duke of Earl. I appreciate all that. I love that. But what I've learned is that I can't stay there. All we're doing every Thursday is we're showing you just a little rearview mirror. That's all we're doing. It's a rearview mirror. And a rearview mirror in a car is this big. But your windshield is this big. Because in order to look forward, you need a bigger vision. So some of you here, and I say that knowing that there's a lot of people in here, you're soul winners. And when I mean soul winners, I don't mean you once were. I mean you are soul winners. You are soul winners. But it's been very difficult because the net has been catching you. You've been stuck in the net. Some of you have been stuck in the net for a little too long. You've been holding on to it. And again, don't trust me. God is going to put something in that net if you trust him. If you trust him. Matter of fact, doesn't the Bible say that they went out there after on the word of Christ? They went out there and they had so much they didn't even know what to do with it. They had to call in their other homeboys. Their other partners, as the Bible says, their other partners had to come in and help them out. Say, man, on my own, I caught nothing. But with Christ's word, I got everything I needed. 
I want to challenge some of you here. You got a deck of cards. You got one card. That one card, and I want you to keep it. I want that one card to signify in this next week and then in this next month, you're going to win one soul. Keep that card. Put it in your pocket. Put it in your Bible. Put it wherever you see every day. If you got to put it on your mirror, put it there. If you got to put it on the fridge, put it on the fridge. You got to put it on the TV, put it on the TV. But I want you to look at it every day. It's going to remind you, I got to win a soul. That's a soul right there. And don't look at them insignificantly. In other words, if you got a two or a three or a four, ah, what's the big deal? Well, there is no five without a four. You can't. You can't skip it. We need it. Every number is needed. So don't take it insignificantly. Ah, it's just a two. I can almost guarantee you that's how a lot of people looked at me. Ah, it's just a PK. Who cares? You don't know what he's doing. Running around breaking windows, which I was. I'd go around break a bunch of windows. That was like my thing as a kid. I don't know why. Don't ask me why. I just love the sound of breaking windows, catching things on fire. So I can almost guarantee you there was a lot of people in the church going, oh, this kid, pastor's kid, he ain't going to do nothing. But every once in a while, there were some people that go, he's a two, but he can be a king. He can be a king. Some of you, you got people at your job, you're like, oh, they're just, they ain't never going to catch him. Don't look at them through the eyes of what you see, through your own nets. You got to look at them through the eyes of God. Follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. Not a fisher of fish, but a fisher of men. Trust me, listen to me, Victory Outreach, it's the summertime right now. And right now, uh, the climate of the city of Hayward is getting very selfish and very self-centered. That's where the city of Hayward, that's the climate, that's the culture of where we're at. I just want to go to work, I want to make my money, I'll go, I'll go to the grocery store, come back. Matter of fact, I ain't got to go to the grocery store, I'll just Uber it, get the food over here, I'll just stay right here, I'll play my video games, I'll worry about my desk, I'll worry about this, I'll worry about everything that I've got right here, I'll worry, just all about me. So my friend, if we don't know how to go fishing, we're going to miss it. We're going to miss it. I know you've got your jobs. Trust me. I understand that you've got your family. I understand that you've got all those great things. I understand that. Believe me, I do. But some of you, God is saying, follow me. I'll fill your nets. Follow me. I will make you a fisher of men, a fisher of women. Victory Outreach Heart. It's our season. It's our time to go fishing. Give the Lord a hand of praise here this afternoon. Come on.